Just love Emilio's story. So give it up to Emilio because he is awesome. I will just not acknowledge that he's in the room. So I'm not even going to look at his direction so he doesn't feel, you know, in the spotlight. But guys, this is the second week of Do Good. And this is the movement to unleash radical generosity in our communities. We've been talking about it for a while. And we're going to do this through Give, Serve, and love. And since this is the second week, I'm going to let you guys figure it out what the topic of today's message is. But uh, before we jump into the message, let me just share something. If you don't know that about me, I am a sociologist. That's my background. And I absolutely love sociology. It's just everything, right? It's, it's such a beautiful way to see the world. And one of the most fascinating things sociology has taught me is that there is no such thing as a self-made human. You can argue, you can disagree, and we can have this conversation for, you know, a really long time. But the bottom line is, there is no such thing as a self-made human. All the sciences out there, all the definitions, the context, the concepts, point out that every single one of us, human beings, in this room, and the other billions of people out there, we are all made out of contributions from our relationships, whether that's family, friends, mentors, teachers, some not so great people, you know, there's some not so great people that helped us build who we are. Uh, but for better or for worse, we are a, 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 this beautiful mix of contributions from social relationships. And if you don't see that in your own life, you're just not looking hard enough. So come talk to me and I'll point out all of that to you. But, um, and one of my favorite things about Emilio's story and the video that we just watched is that he says God has called him for community. And I think that's beautiful because he also said in the video that he doesn't seem to think that he's fit to be a Bible teacher. But that observation by itself already tells me that Emilio should be the one preaching this sermon today because God has called him for community. But not only him, God has called every single one of us for a community. Uh, and you know why? Because there's no such thing as a self-made human. And um, in his story, in Emilio's story, there is this fifth grade boy, right? And, and he's just looking for connections. He's looking for relationships. And then he goes to this organization called Casa Chirilagua. And Casa Chirilagua is built with the mission to form close relationships with the neighborhood, with their neighbors, with the people right there. Uh, but in that organization, there is also this guy who understood the importance of mentorship and supporting uh, someone and impacting that life. And then there's this other guy who was a Bible teacher back then, and he knew the importance of father figures in the life of young boys. There is this executive director who was everything so much more than just an organizational role. You know, it's a support. And the rest, they all come together in this beautiful community that it's Casa Chilagua. And the rest is just this awesome history that we just learned last week and this week of love, service, support. And, and they just keep going, right? Uh, again, not going to acknowledge, but you go, guys. You did it awesome. So uh, great job building community right there. <laughs> being, being part of a community, building impactful relationships, not only makes up who we are as humans, but it also establishes what truly inspire us, right? So I want you to think about that for a second. 
who is the most important person in your life? Or maybe you have several, but think about them right now. What kind of person are they? What kind of person did they teach you to be? And what did they inspire you to do, right? For me, uh, personally speaking, that is my late grandmother. And my grandma, she passed 10 years ago already. But our relationship was just so powerful and so impactful to my life that every once in a while, I refer to her in present tense. I, it takes me a second to remember that she's no longer uh, with me. And, and that's just how alive her legacy is in my heart. That's just how much I, I live her inspiration. It's like, I feel like she's still around. And on my grandma's last lucid day, she was in a hospital for a while, but then her, the last day that she was lucid and talking, my mom was in the hospital room with her and she woke up from this like really long nap, right? Cause she was pretty much sedated. And she woke up and she looked at my mom and she shared this dream that she just had. Describing that dream to my mom was literally my grandma's last words because she came to pass right after that, um, a couple of hours after that. And, and it, it was the very last thing that she wanted to leave all of us with, like all the people that lived through her inspiration. That was the last thing from grandma that we have. And every once in a while, I take the time to meditate on her dream. And, and just I just want to engrave that vision in my heart. I want to make sure that I remember every single word that she said. And and reason why is there there's something special about when someone shares something, knowing that they're about to die. You know what I'm talking about? Like you see movies and you see all these magazines of like people on their deathbed, like they share something that almost... Always, it's the last thing they want you to hold on to. It's like, hey, forget everything else about my life. I want you to remember these words. I want you to remember this action. And with Jesus, it was not that different. Jesus did the same thing. Uh, there are many impactful and important moments throughout Jesus' life, you know, uh, so much so that we continue to study his life 2,000 years later. We're still like, what did he say? How did... What, what, what do you mean, right? So we're still, there's so much to question. There's so much to navigate, to contemplate. And I want to bring us all to one specific moment that is the last thing Jesus did for others right before he died. It's, it's this moment that when we read carefully, it almost seems like it was his final words. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. He said a bunch of other things after that, but it almost seems like it was uh, because there is so much intentionality. There's so much um, intensity to that interaction. And it's a very short interaction, but it's very meaningful. And it makes me feel like that was the thing Jesus wanted us to remember, right? So in the gospel of John, it's one of the historical accounts to Jesus' time on earth. There is this story when Jesus is teaching his disciples a very valuable lesson right before they sit down to eat the last supper, you know, like the last meal before the arrest and everything else. Uh, it's one of those stories. I grew up in a church. I don't know about you. I grew up in a church. It's one of those stories that I've read it enough that I was like, all right, I get it. And then I didn't get it because I was studying for this sermon. And I was like, oh. I did not get that story. So let's go back to it. But that story is Jesus is inspiring us to do one thing that changes everything. And that is washing each other's feet. So 
As a sociology and a teacher, I love hands-on experiences. So this morning, we're going to wash each other's feet. I love that. I love the quiet. Guys, I'm joking. Please don't leave. We're not going to do it. Keep your shoes on. No one needs to touch your feet. Uh, but the, the thing is, we fail to understand at that moment, it's really not about washing feet. There's something much deeper than that. So let's read it together. Uh, I'm reading from the book of John, chapter 13. It says, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Scariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. So let me paint the picture. This is the night before Jesus' arrest, right? And it's, it's a big day for Jewish culture. This is the Passover festival. We know that Jesus is about to die. And Jesus knew that he was about to die. Everyone else was still like, I'm not sure what he's talking about. But Jesus knew what was gonna, what's going to happen. We know that there are chaos and darkness around them you know the devil is already in the move and we also know that there is no higher authority than jesus at that point all things are under his power and he is just the number one guy alive right so let's keep going this is verse five after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And I love Peter. Peter is my favorite, favorite biblical character because he, uh, I relate, you know, he is just low key confused here. And the reason why is washing feet is it's a practice that it's assigned to the lowest person in the room. The nameless human in the room is the one that touches other people's feet, right? Um, so, and then there's, there's Jesus talking about, no, I'm going to do it. And Peter's like, uh, no, thank you. Uh, he's just not on board in the, in the whole idea here as usual. But then Jesus replied to Peter, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Which Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Well, then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And that's just good old Peter. He's like, don't touch me. Oh, actually, just wash the whole thing, you know, because since we're here, (laughs) might as well just keep going. Uh, Love Peter. And then Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, because he knew that uh, the person that was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am now that I that I, your Lord and teacher, had washed your feet, you should also wash each other's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So let's this, let this verse sink in for a second here. I have set you an example 
that you should do as I have done for you. That's what Jesus is saying. And that is not about washing feet. You know, some people like that. I don't. I will never wash someone's feet. It's just not my vibe. But if you want to do it, go for it. Uh, This message is about serving one another in whatever capacity is needed. Because you see, the disciples' feet will get dirty again. Probably within the next 10 to 15 minutes after they finish eating. And in that, but that moment, right before the supper, clean feet is what they needed. And clean feet is what they got. Because Jesus is doing that. Jesus is saying, I'm going to serve you in whatever capacity is needed right now. And in that moment, the disciples also needed something else. Remember, Jesus is about to die. And his death would impact these guys so much that some of them would not even live to see the other day, right? They would get so impactful by Jesus' death. And, and what they needed in that moment was a final inspirational lesson to hold on to. It was a final moment to say, this is how I'm going to carry on this mission. This is also a story about putting people's first, right? In a way that is so drastically against our instincts and our culture, even back in the day. Remember what I said, washing the guest's feet was a task assigned to the lowest servant of the house, usually an enslaved person or someone that was like, they don't even know your name. You're so low in the social rank that you're going to touch other people's feet, right? And then you have Jesus who is the highest authority in the room, actually the highest authority in the whole universe, saying, no, 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 I'm going to be the person doing it. I'm going to be the one washing feet. And it's just no wonder Peter got all nervous. I would too, right? If I see Jesus coming and being like, let me touch your feet. I'm like, no, thank you. (laughs) Didn't didn't shower today. Please don't. Uh, And to this day, we just got so blown away when we see someone important doing something mundane, right? Or doing something so low. So like, oh, anyone could do that. Why are you doing it? You're so important. Uh, It's like when we see, I love seeing pictures of celebrities taking the Metro because I'm always like, don't you have a Lamborghini? Like, why are you taking the Metro? Like, this is disgusting. Uh, Or they clean after themselves at a restaurant. You know, you see a celebrity picking up their plate. Oh, it's like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? There's people that do that. Isn't that crazy? Like, why do we think that way? Uh, But it's because it's so opposite from our expectation. It's so opposite from everything that our culture keeps telling us that we need to do. Last month, we facilitated this volunteer opportunity in partnership with a nonprofit called Six Degrees. And it was to support a local nonprofit that we partner with, Bridges to Independence. And Kevin Bacon showed up. This guy, Kevin Bacon, I don't know about you, but Kevin Bacon was one of my first celebrity crushes. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot stop shaking. Kevin Bacon is here. Um, and so when, you know, no one was supposed to know that he was going to be here. And, but then Pastor John spoiled to everyone. And it was this whole commotion, right? Because now suddenly Kevin Bacon is here. Let's go see him. And some people even dropped church to go see Kevin Bacon. 
Uh, I mean, not to throw shame to Pastor Derek, but he was very excited to see Kevin Bacon, you know? Uh, I'm just kidding. Derek, wa- Derek actually watched the sermon before he went down, but you know, but then we never see Derek again. He just, you know, uh, but in the midst of running around that Sunday and making sure everything is, is ready and then communicating with six degrees and bridges and whatnot, I realized something. I was sitting there and I was like, oh my gosh, Kevin Bacon got it. He understood the lesson and Learning more about Six Degrees as a nonprofit and then working alongside his staff and just him and his brother, Michael, in that morning, I couldn't help but think he knows that serving people is the answer. Serving people is how we're going to change things. And I'm not trying to say, Kevin Bacon is a Christian. Let's follow him because I don't know. I don't know Kevin's affiliation. I don't know if he's a believer or not. And I don't need to know. I don't need to know because what I saw personally with my little eyes was a human being who said, I'm going to serve people this morning and I'm going to go do that. And that is a very Christ-like behavior. Um, it didn't matter that he was on my dad's top three favorite actors in the whole world. He was there. He was packing backpacks. He was on his knees writing encouragement cards to kids, right? And And it was just Every one of us that were there, we were like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? This is just so, it's like a universe, like parallel universe, you know? Uh, but in that moment, I also thought just about how far his actions as a celebrity can go. Like how far can that go with him just inspiring people with the platform that he has? You know, like we were in articles and people were sharing on social media. And then you're like, oh my gosh, we did this. We packed 300 backpacks to children that are facing homelessness in Arlington County. Like, yeah, it is amazing. It is so, it is just so, so amazing. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, those kids will never know. They, they probably don't even know who Kevin Bacon is, but those kids will never know that the card that they are reading was, was written by Kevin Bacon. Or they, but they, they will know something very important. They will know that someone took the time to do something nice for them. They will know that one person got on their knees and wrote an encouragement card to tell them that they are crushing, that they are doing the best, that they, are, they have a great life ahead of them. And then my second thought was, if an earthly celebrity can bring this much joy and inspiration to the world, how much can we do as followers of Jesus Christ? How much can we change as followers of the number one dude in the world? I mean, it's Jesus we're talking about, right? Like whether you believe it or not, it's Jesus. You know who he is, right? It's a, it's a number one role model for the whole world. From the foot washing moment on, the disciples that were there with Jesus, they knew what they needed to do. They knew that the example will remain the same serve one another. And they did it. After Jesus died and the resurrection and everything else, the disciples took on that example. They served people with teachings, with food, with shelter, with discipleship, and they transformed the world. Because right now, as of today, 20, 
2023? Is that the year? I'm so lost in time. 2023? Uh, Christianity is the largest religion in the world, and it's based on Jesus' life, right? That's why we call it Christianity, because it's Jesus Christ. Uh, 2.4 billion people in the world self-proclaim as followers of Jesus. And Jesus' final example was to serve each other in whatever capacity is needed. So take a second to imagine this beautiful world with me. If we act on Jesus' example and we start transforming our communities little by little by serving people right here, inspired by Jesus' steps, how, what could happen to our communities if we just decide to do good? And I, you see what I did there? Uh, but the whole, I know the whole movement, this is the whole movement from Grace Community Church called Do Good. And it is to unleash radical generosity in our communities, both local and global. And to some of you, it might seem like just another church campaign. Oh, it's just another thing they're doing because they want to feel good about themselves. But the reality is, Do Good is an intentional decision from Grace Community Church to follow Jesus' example and inspire our community to do the same. This is not about us. This is about what we can do together if we follow Jesus' example. And we want to start right here and right now. There is a lot going on in the world, a lot. Every single day, there is another catastrophe. There is another conflict. There is another thing that makes us so powerless. It makes us feel hopeless. It makes us feel like we are out of control. But you know what's not out of your control? Your time and your generosity and what you do with the two of them. That is not out of your control. So do good is based on three calls to action. Give, serve, and love. Remember this. Give, serve, love. Give, serve, love. Okay? So last week, we had a chance to come together and give financially. We asked for 100% participation because 100% of every penny that came to Grace Community Church is going out to sponsor projects with our local nonprofits who are already doing amazing work in our communities. Now is the time to serve, okay? So you gave money. Sometimes that's a very easy thing to do. I want you to give time. And I know that is a very hard thing to do, but we can do it together. Okay, so this time we're going to talk about serving. And I talked to some of our local nonprofit organizations around us, and we collected a bunch of ways you can serve alongside them this season. Okay, there are one-off opportunities. If you're super busy and you're like, I can't really commit, one-offs. Okay, just go do it one hour, 30 minutes. You got it. There are long-term opportunities. If you're like, oh, actually, I want to walk alongside this organization for a while. Uh, there are things you can do at home with your children. There are things you can do around the town with your children. There are things you can do, you can't do with your children, but you can do with your spouse and your small groups and your friends, right? Uh, seriously, there are just so many ways that we can come together to serve our community in whatever capacity is needed. So let's do it. We are once again asking for 100% participation. The serving opportunities are listed on our Do Good page, right? That you can access scanning the QR codes in the car in front of you or going to trygrace.org slash do good. 
Um, just, just think about it. Go over it. And I just want to flag something out to you. Um, our list is, you know, you, we have a lot of opportunities for you to serve, but it doesn't cover every single thing you might be passionate about. It doesn't cover every single local nonprofit that you might want to serve with. Uh, and that's why community is so important, right? Grace Community Church is based in Arlington, Virginia, but maybe you are not. Maybe you're in Maryland. Maybe you are in Prince George County. Maybe you are in Fairfax. And I don't know those places because I live in Arlington, Virginia. Go to your cities, okay? This is a chance you have this season to explore your community. Go around your town. Find out if the local food bank next to you needs a hand or if they need some blankets or if the hypothermia season is here, maybe the local shelters next to you, they need a hand, okay? And it might not be in Arlington. It might be where you are, but find your community and go serve there. Or maybe you already volunteer. You're like, actually, you know what? I am passionate about animals and I serve in an animal shelter. Great. I love animals too. I want to I want to listen to your story. So, we did this thing to, uh, this year that it's new and I'm very excited about. Uh, the first blurb on that page says log your volunteer hours. And reason is, remember we're asking for 100% participation. I want to know where you're going to serve, not because I want to stalk you, but because I want to see We all want to see just how big of an impact we can do together. I want to count every minute that we are serving as a church. So when we do the recap of Do Good, I can come and say, guys, we served thousands of hours, hundreds of hours, whatever it is. I want to hear from you, okay? So if you already volunteer, let us know, log your hours, um, and let's, we can do this together. It's going to be so exciting. I'm excited, and I hope you guys are excited too. But uh, for now, I want to go back to Emilio's story, just for a second. You know, Emilio, that guy, again, not acknowledging him. He's in the room, that guy. Uh, <laughs> because Emilio's story is this perfect example of the kind of impact we are trying to make with Do Good, okay? His story reminds us all that every single person around us play an important role in making each other's lives just a little bit better and our feet just a little bit cleaner. Every single one of us can do that for each other. His story is about role models who inspire him to become a role model. And now maybe he's inspiring other kids to become role models. And that, like I said last week, this is the beautiful cycle of generosity right here. It's a story of giving back, but more than anything, it's a story about following Jesus' final example for us. I share a little bit about my grandma, and she lived 86 years I've always knew my grandma was um, a, a servant. I've always knew she had this, this heart for people, but I didn't realize just how many people she served in her lifetime until she died. Because we had people from all over calling to share stories and to tell like, your grandma helped me doing this. Your grandma, when we were teenagers, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so long ago. Uh, you know. But we had all these stories. And, and the dream that she had The dream that I carry with me, that I, I really want this dream engraved in my heart, is um, she said she walked in the room 
And in that room, I'm sorry, I promised myself that I wouldn't cry, but I will. Um, she walked in this room and there was this long table. It's a, it's a table just set. It's a big banquet. It's a feast. And she's, she doesn't know where she is. So she's like, what's going on here? And she walks in there and then suddenly she noticed that there is a, there's a placemat on the table with her name on it. And, and she hears this voice calling her by her name. Her name was Rubenita. So she said that she heard someone saying, Rubenita, I've seen your life. I was with you through it all. And I am so proud of you. I set a place at my table for you. Come share this meal with me. And then she woke up. And she woke up and she looked at my mom and she said, I'm ready. I, I'm, I can't believe that God is proud of me. I am ready to go have dinner with my God. And she died a couple of hours later. And it's like, to me, it's, oh my gosh, it's the dream. It's the dream. I want to live a life that at the end of it, I can say God is proud of me because I serve people. I lived a life that made God proud of me. So the final verse, recap. <laughs> The final verse of that passage that we just read, Jesus says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I don't know a single person who doesn't want to be blessed. If you know them, maybe don't talk to them anymore. <laughs> you know, like, everyone wants to be blessed. Everyone wants to have a place at the table, right? This is what we want as human beings. We want to belong. We want to have a place at the table. We want to be blessed. And now we know, we know these things. We know the example we need to follow. We know that when we serve someone here and now, they are going to be inspired to serve someone there and then. And that's how we're all going to move from an overwhelming, tragical world to a place where the kingdom of God is here, not near, here, right now. And every single one of us have a great privilege to be a part of it today. Don't miss out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, God, we just want to do what you ask us to do. Help us nudge our hearts for, you know, clear calendars and clear schedules and little opportunities to serve one another throughout this season and for the rest of our lives. We want to follow your example as followers of Jesus Christ to serve each other in whatever capacity is needed until the kingdom is here. And we want to be part of it. We pray all these things in Jesus name. Amen.